and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Oh, hello there. It's Ross McLeod here from Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Just opening the forbidden door. And what's behind the forbidden door? Well, it's David Hockney. And as soon as he puts on his underwear, him and I are going to bring you all the links <laughs> on this week. He is our central. Just when I thought you were going to do a half-decent intro there, you just go ahead and make it weird. Like, honestly, that's something I'd expect to come out of. You're the one that's pantsless. That's, that's all I need to say. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Welcome to ESSR Central. My name is Ross McLeod, joined by David Hockney as always. <laughs> and, and Dave, you know, Stephen says it's a, a quiet news week. Usually when you and I get together, it is a quiet news week. But we've actually got some good stuff to talk about this week. Um, mm-hmm. H's possible return, impact, uh, 20 years, the Forbidden Door pay-per-view coming up at recording uh, two nights from now. So a, a decent, decent amount to talk about this week, and we'll jump right into it shortly. But just before we tell you that, at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, if you want to follow us. Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. You can find all our reviews, previews, interviews, all the news on there. Dave, we're going to just jump in. We talked about the forbidden door in the intro. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah. So and, and, I've, and I've definitely got my shorts on this time. <laughs> All right, thank God for that. Um, <laughs> this Sunday, June 26th, from the United Centre in Chicago, Illinois, AEW New Japan's Forbidden Door pay-per-view. It is, on paper, a dream match uh, card here, but the build to it, I've not been a fan of. I've... Um, don't get me wrong, a couple of things that went against them, the injury to CM Punk, the injury to Brian Danielson. Mm. But it feels very much like, um, do you remember WrestleMania 34, AJ Styles, Nakamura? The build yeah. was two guys fighting for the The build was, this is a dream match. But, but, but this is a dream match. This seems like, and there's going to be some great matches on here, this seems like an entire card of that. This seems like an entire card of, but it's a dream match. No, no, no but, but but it's a dream match. <laughs> now you're quite right. That's the sort of vibes I'm getting here. I mean, the card itself looks absolutely fantastic. Yeah, but I get I get what you mean about the whole AJ Nakamura sort of build with WWE. But the problem with WWE is they. T- I think they take a lot of them take their audience for granted a little bit. You know, I don't think they realize how much knowledge like a lot of fans have, you know, with their clashes in New Japan at Wrestle Kingdom, some of the greatest, one of the greatest matches you've probably ever seen. But I think where AEW and New Japan sort of benefits is that, you know, they know that their fans are, they watch different products and seeing like, all these names go up against each other. It's like, um, this literally is like, you know, a proper, proper wet dream <laughs> for lack of a better word for a lot of like, diehard New Japan and indie fans as well, because everybody you see here on the card, you know, it's it's a who's who of absolutely everybody you could ask for. It's, you've got the best of the best here. Yeah, there is some, um, uh, there are some matches there that have been given a decent build, you know, likes of Moxley and uh, Tanahashi for the interim AEW World Championship. 
Moxley for years has been calling out Tanahashi. Um, I think a lot of people were actually talking about that when Tanahashi took on Punk. Like, oh, Moxley won't be happy. He's been trying for years, but you know, the bit, uh, the injury to to Punk has caused a bit of um, a bit of intrigue. You know, Tanahashi had to take on Goto. Moxley had to take on uh, Kyle O'Reilly uh, for the right to be here. Um, I, I asked Scott this. Um, I asked Scott and I asked John uh, Isherwood this uh, regarding the interim AEW World Championship and regarding interim championships uh, as a whole. Mm-hmm. I've never been a fan because I feel if someone's out as long-term CM Punk's going to be out for, if Moxley or Tanahashi wins the interim championship and then just beats him as soon as he comes back, then it's a case of, well, why don't we just strip the title off this guy in the first place? Mm-hmm. And if CM Punk comes back and then just beats whoever's the interim champion, I feel it's kind of, well, wh- why did I get excited about that? Like, why, you know, I, I've watched an interim champion for absolutely nothing. We're just back to the status quo. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? And what are your thoughts on the match, Moxley and Tanahashi? See, I remember you and John talking about this on the last uh, Central, and the thing that came to my mind when I was thinking of interim champions, the most recent example I can think of is the WWE's now-retired Cruiserweight Championship when Jordan Devlin won it at Worlds Collide in 20, February 2020, only for then to COVID completely ruin everything. You know, Jordan was stuck in the, in the UK and Ireland, and then they had to hold the tournament to crown the interim cruiserweight champion which was won by santos escobar and they basically were dual cruiserweight champion for best part of a year until like you know they had the ladder match decider it's it's a weird one because by default escobar was the one that was who was basically walking around as cruiserweight champion you almost forgotten that devlin had won it at world's collide and he but the problem was he couldn't do anything about it so it was a bit of a a bit of a weird situation to be in, and that's the the thing I get about you know interim champions. But I appreciate AEW sort of taking a new approach. You know, aside from you know if an injury comes up elsewhere, they would probably just vacate the title. So it's I think it's a bit of a double edged sword. You can look at it from two perspectives. But look at it this way though: we're actually getting an interpromotional match between Moxley and Tanahashi. And Moxley is a credible competitor, you know, as well. He's a former AEW champion in his own right. And I think there is potential there to have a a good feud with CM Punk because then it sort of lays the groundwork for future programming. But at the same time, you can't help but think, you know, Punk is sort of sitting there in the background waiting for something to happen. And I think the longer he stays away, the more the focus is taken off the fact that he's actually an interim champion. And Moxley, well, whoever wins between Moxley and Tanahashi is still interim champion and that Punk is still technically recognised as the actual champion. Yeah, it's... You, you've you looked at it as a sort of glass-half-full way, so that's, that is a good way of coming across it. Forever the optimist, uh, yeah. <laughs> what I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to just read out the card here, mm-hmm. uh, and you can... What I want you to do, I want you to pick one match you look forward to, mm-hmm. and I want you to pick one match you're like, what was the point, why was this needed, okay? Yeah. Um, so we've got the kickoff show. Um, Max Caster and the Gun Club—they're bringing out the big stars for this one. Billy the ass boys. 
He's back. Billy Gunn, Austin Gunn, and Colton Gunn against Alec Coughlin, the DKC, Kevin Knight, and Yuya. I'm not even going to pronounce this second. Yeah, Yabura. Oh, there they are. Hold on. Uh, and an eight-person tag team match. Uh, John Moxley versus Tanahashi for the Interim World Championship. Jay White defending his IWGP World Heavyweight Championship and a fatal four-way for the ages. I think this could be an absolute barn burner. Oh, yes. Okada, Adam Page and Adam Cole. Oh, I left the, I left the pause there. I thought you were going to do it. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I've matured now. You've, you've grown. Um... Pack Miro, maybe Mad- you asshole. <laughs> Sorry, my uh, my Wi-Fi was acting up again. It was a delayed response. <laughs> uh, Pack Miro, Malachi Black, and Clark Connors replacing the injured uh, Tomohiro Ishii, and a fatal four-way match to determine the inaugural AEW All Atlantic Championship. Uh, Les Six Gods, good God, Jericho <laughs> uh, and Sammy Guevara and Minoru Suzuki taking on Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta and Shota Yumino in a six-person tag match. Will Osprey versus Orange Cassidy for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. Uh, triple Threat, winner take all for the Ring of Honor and IWGP Tag Team Championships. Uh, FTR, the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champs, taking on the United Empire. Jeff Cobb and Great O'Kan, the IWGP World Tag Team Champions, taking on Rapongi Vice, Trent Beretta and Rocky Romero. Uh, Thunder Rosa taking on Tony Storm for the AEW Women's Championship. The Bullet Club, El Fantasmo, Hikulio and the Young Bucks. And the Young Bucks taking on Dudes with Attitude, uh, Darby Allen, Sting, uh, Shingo Takagi and Himuro Takahashi L.I.J. Uh, taking on an eight-person tag team match and Zack Sabre Jr., uh, Brian Danielson now and, uh, not physically able to compete so he will be taking on a mystery opponent which Tony Khan has announced will also be signing with AEW that night so Dave, I've read the card out you've got the card in front of you yep Let's let's talk about a match you're looking forward to. What what is one match you're really looking forward to on this card? Oh right, well I'm sort of torn between two. It's either going to be the IWGP World Title match because, I mean, when are you ever going to see two of New Japan's best going against two of AEW's finest? And I get you know that Adam Cole's been getting a bit of shtick from Booker T lately about not being muscular enough, but honestly, I think Booker's completely out of order here because he's um. It doesn't matter if the guy's not got muscles or not. The guy basically carried NXT for best part of four years. And he's still, to this day, arguably one of the most popular guys on the in the industry. Not just because of his in-ring work or his promo work, but it, he's got an outside audience with his Twitch channel as well, playing the games online, etc. Like, that's him playing Uno with the party still is one of my favorite times of getting through the worst of the pandemic. But... um. You know, I've heard a lot about Switchblade, Jay White, you know, on Impact a lot. He seems to have made a few waves, you know, bringing back the Bullet Club that he'd in there. Um, Okada, I mean, you just have to look at his matches with Kenny Omega um, at Wrestle Kingdom and stuff. You know, it's arguably, and I think Grant and Scott would uh, back me up on this when they say, I think Okada Omega is probably one of the best series of matches that any company's ever produced. You know, they keep getting six, seven star bangers going 60 minutes plus, two out of three falls, that kind of thing. Uh, and then you've got, obviously, Hangman Page, the former AEW champion. It's um, 
it's basically the best of the best from both companies going against one of the company's top prizes. And as much as I like the Fatal 4-Way, I have to give a, an honourable mention to the All-Atlantic Championship because this... It, it, I'm getting NXT North American Championship vibes from this one. You know, you've got a bunch of guys from... Well, it's three to one in favour of AEW here, but nonetheless, because it's an AEW Championship... I'm still getting that same vibe and you just know that the these mid-card guys are really going to deliver at the same time. And also I'd like to add that this is how WWE should have done their World Cup in Saudi because they've actually got four different representatives from four different countries on both sides of the Atlantic because you've got Pac representing Britain, Miro representing Bulgaria, Malachi Black representing Holland and then Clark Connors for the USA. It's, but out of those two, I think... I've got to give it to the IWGP World Heavyweight title match. That's going to be something special, I reckon. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, I think the annoying thing here is um, we know it's going to be a banger, but the build, as we mentioned before, there has been no build. It's just been a case of, it's Okada. He's wrestling. <laughs> See you Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing about, you know... Um, it's like the same thing as saying like, oh, it's it's Undertaker wrestling or it's uh, it's Brock Lesnar wrestling or it's um, Stone Cold Steve Austin coming back for one last hurrah against Kevin Owens. It's um, the name value alone, I think, is what sells this match on its own, especially yeah. it doesn't matter if you're a New Japan or AEW fan. If you see Okada, Jay White, Adam Page or Adam Cole, let alone all four of them in the same match, they are going to be draws. Yeah, um, I, I was talking to Stephen about it and I said the, the card and the star power is never the issue. It's always, it's it's the same things with AEW they're falling into at the minute. It's shiny new toy, new belt, Okada, <laughs> new thing, new signing, no. <laughs> but uh, it, like WWE fell into this trick for a while and the, the NXT 2015-2017 sort of era. It was like, these guys are stars. Well, why are they stars? They won titles in Promotion X, Promotion Y, and Promotion Z. Well, I, I don't watch those promotions. How do you plan on marketing them, making them a star in your own company? It was also a big deal in Japan. And you're like, right, okay, I don't watch Japan. Like, you know, sell this to me, you know. And shout out to um, Excalibur, by the way. He is... He has done a great job at building this. He he is a good. I don't think AEW will ever have a casual audience going going about um, going they the might, way they go about things. They might do, but I don't think they'll have it as big as their diehard audience. That's for no. Sure. I I think that this card is not uh, not a casual audience card. No, I get I get you. Yeah, this card is for the people already watching. Um, like this is a reward for the hardcore fans but I don't think they'll ever have a a casual one because despite his best efforts they're just it is a bit of let's all the guys from our company and all the guys from Impact then Japan Mm -hmm. all the Ring of Honor Oh, we've signed someone else. You know, it's just as as a bit much for the casual fan to keep up with. Just stick, but, just stick them to WWE or main event or Saturday morning slam. You know, that's what will appeal to a casual audience. What would you call it? Um, 
Let's talk about a match we're not looking forward to because yeah, I'll tell you what mine is right now. It's yeah. Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Oh, latex gods, Chris, you are fifty-three years old. <laughs> Accept it and move on. Chris, Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho's gimmicks would work better on a much younger and much more handsome man. Chris Jericho is starting to become. He's becoming Chris, he's becoming Steven Tyler. Yeah, he, he looks like he's wearing a Chris Jericho mask at this point. <laughs> and Sammy Guevara and Tay Conte have just become the most annoying people on the face of the planet. They really have. I I hope this ends with Eddie Kingston, Willie Utah, and Shota beating them, and then Minoru Suzuki kicking the living shit out of Jericho and Sammy Guevara. I, I mean, I've seen Moxley and Suzuki go at it before, and my God, like Minoru Suzuki, despite you know, obviously him him being a seasoned veteran as well, like the guy can he can go, like he would he would like take your head off if he could. Yeah, the likes of uh, Suzuki, Tomohiro Ishii, uh, Jay White, uh, El Fantasmo and the likes, they've been popping up. Dave Finlay and um, just Robinson as well. They've been popping up in Impact Wrestling quite regularly. So they do have like a home in the US. So it's not as if they're, they're this is going to be the first time they're in the US for a while, but it is mm. the first big show. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not their home turf, but it is their home turf. You know what I mean? It's, mm. but yeah, it looks. Um, Minoru Suzuki has had some good matches in Impact. As is Ishii, it's a shame he's injured. But I'm just hoping this match ends with Minoru Suzuki kicking the shit out of Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. I think I mean, that's even even, even think, if it's just Chris Jericho, I don't mind. Yeah, I think this is the only part of that match I'm potentially looking forward to is Suzuki just taking someone's head off of his, on his own team. Uh, but that's not the match I was look, least looking forward to. The one I was least looking forward to is actually, believe it or not, it was Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm because Absolutely. it's the only match on the card that features two AEW superstars going for an AEW championship. Every other match on the card features a, a sort of AEW versus New Japan clash. This match, I just think you could have literally put it on anywhere on AEW's programming. You could have had it on Dynamite. You could have had it on Rampage. You could have had it on one of the on like one of the AEW exclusive pay per views, but this is essentially it. This feels like you know a match that would main event Dynamite or Rampage put on a pay per view uh, when it just seems to be going against the grain here with the theme of this Forbidden Door concept. You know, it was, it's the odd one out in an AEW versus New Japan style pay per view. Uh, so yeah, that's. I think, I mean, call me pedantic and stuff, but at least Lissex Gods versus Kingston, Wheeler and Shota is a, a mix between AEW and New Japan. Yeah, uh, I, I can see why, um, you know, we, we've talked before about AEW not being... Their, their women's division can tend to get thrown to the side a wee bit and with New Japan not having a women's division that has starred them over in Japan eh, they've not really they've not really 
done anything to have cross promotion here, which is weird because when Kenny Omega was doing the um when Kenny Omega was doing the women's division, he was bringing over a lot of these stardom people and it was yeah, yeah, they're stars. You'll like them. You're like, no, Kenny, we don't. We we really don't. Uh, speaking of Kenny, could he be Zack Sabre Jr.'s opponent? Oh, I tell you something, that would be juicy. But, I mean, wasn't it said that Kenny was supposed to come back around February, March time? But he was apparently his injuries were worse than originally thought. Uh, I think so, yeah. I think he was... Uh, he was... Rumoured to be coming back round about uh, double or nothing as well. Mm. That's actually but, a very good shout. Unless they bring in somebody else. Well, Things- no, no, sorry, actually, because I, I, they have said they will be signing with uh, AEW. So who, who's out there on the free agency list that you want to see oh, come I'll t- to AEW? I'll, I'll tell you somebody that did pop up, though. How about Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano? Would love it for the match, would not love it for long-term storylines, because I think he's lost in the shuffle. Yeah, and okay, okay. Another reason why I don't want it, well, we'll talk about it later on when we talk about some corporate changes within WWE. Yeah, but, well, um, I've got another name to throw out. Go How about go. Claudio? The f- that F-F- could be... FKA Cesaro. Um, Daniel Bryan's promising to announce it. Daniel Bryan and Cesaro do have a good relationship. Um, you know what? I'm going to go someone left field, okay? Just mm-hmm. someone to have a completely different style of match, but could still have a good match with Zack Sabre Jr. And you'll know this if you've watched his Impact work. He's recently just finished up with Impact. W. Morrissey. W. Morrissey was in AEW uh, as Wardlow's opponent. Uh, in the build-up with the MGF feud. Mm-hmm. Maybe talks have went on. Maybe that's why he's finished up with Impact. Impact were surprised that he didn't take up the option of renewing. You know, him and Jordan Grace were, uh, were doing a sort of intergender tag team thing against Zack Ryder and Chelsea Green. That obviously got kiboshed when Zack Ryder, uh, sorry, Matt Cardona got injured. But yeah, W. Morrissey was someone who was a bit of a surprise I mean, he's seven foot tall and you can't teach that. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly a left field pick. I'm just not sure if there'll be oh. chemistry there with Zack Sabre Jr. But then again, Zack Sabre Jr. is one of those guys that could like... I get the impression, you know, he could wrestle with anybody despite how big and how heavy they are. Yeah, he is. He is great. There's uh, a, a weird one, but I'd still be leaning more towards Claudio. So, I wouldn't mind Claudio. Um, so... AEW, uh, New Japan, Forbidden Door, uh, this coming Sunday, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, We'll discuss that again on next week's Central. We'll discuss how that went. Um, Coming over to WWE, um, WWE recently issued a memo this past Monday evening following Raw to announce that Senior VP Bruce Pritchard would be taking over as the interim head of talent relations, effective immediately, according to PW Insider. The memo also informed talents that John Laurinaitis was placed on administrative leave uh, in light of allegations made against him and Vince McMahon. The memo added Laurinaitis will not be on the road with WWE pending the conclusion of a board of directors internal investigation. As noted earlier this week, John Laurinaitis was wasn't on the road uh, since the investigation began. Uh, 
This is obviously the follow-up to the Wall Street Journal expose that McMahon had a consensual relation with the WWE paralegal and then later paid her off with a $3 million settlement. Um, so a lot of people, a, a report from Fightful Select suggested Laurinaitis is expected to leave the company. It's going to be Vince's scapegoat. Uh, Vince McMahon's currently stepped down as CEO, but is appearing constantly on WWE TV, just with more and more arbitrary (laughs) promo segments at Smackdown's tonight at time of recording. Um, God knows what's what's going to happen tonight. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I think just when you think, you know, he's lost every single, you know, Every single drop of sanity in his mind, you know, that's this is it. This is him hitting rock bottom, shall we say? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bruce Pritchard, the VP of Talent Relations. Bruce Pritch- I think that's a good role for Bruce Pritchard. A lot of talent seem to like him. However, going um going off of the booking from WWE. He seems to be one of Vince's yes men. He seems to be a safe choice. And he seems to have his, much like McMahon, he's very much stuck in the 90s. Mm. And we, we can see that from the, the new new version of NXT 2.0. A lot of people now getting into NXT 2.0 and like finding, saying it's finding its niche, it's an easy watch. But it is very character driven. It is very attitude era style. Everyone's got a gimmick. Everyone's got a a sort of everyone has to have a gimmick, or it's it's just not going to work out. Everyone's had a name change, you know. Mm-hmm. But speaking of NXT, um, Triple H recently made his return to the WWE Performance Center. He spoke to the NXT crew and roster, and according to the Wrestling Observer newsletter. Uh, uh, Triple H was quoted as saying I'm back Triple H ran the black and gold brand up until his uh, cardiac arrest last year um, leading to obviously his retirement Uh, NXT 2.0 has happened in the meantime Uh, but he has had uh, he has had meetings with WWE talent uh, as of June 22nd to confirm he is indeed back but has not elaborated any further on what this means going forward is it a temporary fix while Vince is out is it um, is he going to be running NXT again is this you know Stephanie making her mark and starting to because she is in temporary charge she can mm-hmm. you know she, she can stop people uh, she can move people from certain roles and what have you. So, yep. um, Triple H, do you think it's better for Triple H to be back in control of NXT? Or do you think with NXT 2.0 starting to find its groove, it's maybe maybe a bit risky for the NXT brand to then have another complete tonal shift? Uh, you see, it's that last point that it's that's got me it's um another total shift for nxt at this stage would just seem a bit weird because i think i think they are just going to keep the new branding you know the nxt 2.0 with the rainbow pish and stuff but uh, i mean this is just me doing wishful thinking here but it's i doubt it's going to happen but it'd be good to see triple h have a bit more 
regaining of control over the NXT product because you know it was his baby originally and it's uh, it's primarily because of him that is what made the black and gold brand so damn successful and he just knew how to cater to you know diehard fans who were just sick of WWE's casual product a lot of the time and 2.0 has sort of drifted into that territory a bit but you made a good point about saying like all the big names on it have all got characters behind them, despite, you know, some ridiculous name changes, etc. Because you think you've got, like, Chase University, you've got uh, Wendy Chu, who's constantly having a sleepover, you've got the Mean Girls with Toxic Attraction, you've got uh, Joe Gacy and his druids, essentially. You know, it's there is something for everybody to appeal to. It's just missing that... It's just missing that extra extra oomph to really get people invested in it, and I think that's it's the little the old Triple H magic that uh, that did the difference. But see, just simply saying he's back is you know it's maybe it's keeping cards close to the chest for now. It's maybe he's he's got something in store somewhere <laughs> down the line. So it's a little bit difficult to say you know where it's uh, it's going to go. But I really hope he gets involved in the NXT process again. Yeah, me too. I think. Um... I think if um, if Triple H is running it, I don't mind. Um, I don't mind the character thing. I think we, we've seen him before, you know, speaking with Apollo Crews and speaking with Damien Priest on backstage. Um, on sorry, on like Bang the Ring sort of uh, mm-hmm. documentaries on the WWE Network that. They um he he takes wee things and just slight tweaks to make things better like you know Thingwee's entrance Damien Priest's entrance the Rockstar entrance that was a Triple H thing you know marching around the ring to show off his strength before the power bomb for Apollo Cruz that was a Triple H thing you know just if if going forward he's going to make tweaks and maybe a complaint I've had about NXT 2.0 is the um. The constant chopping and changing. I think in Triple H's NXT, talent have a chance to flourish mm-hmm. or fail before we go, right, let's hit the reset button on this. It's not a case of, yeah, it's been two weeks, it's not working, let's uh, yeah, panic stations and let's move on. But remember how NXT used to be recorded at full sale? You know, it was the same way that NXT UK's uh, being recorded right now. They do it in, in bulk, essentially, and then they release it hour by hour every week and i remember yeah. i remember those times you know it was it was regularly scheduled programming you know you would stick on the network every single week at the same time it was only an hour long so it was easy to digest but you got a decent number of matches you got a decent amount of promo work you know but not so much that it actually clogs up the wrestling content and it actually tells a very good story over the course of a few weeks uh, even though they're essentially just filming it all in, in one in one go, the move to the USA Network, I admit, was you know was a bit of a graduation, but it ups, it upset the it upset the Apple cart a little bit. You know, they had to change the formatting, etc., and they had to sort of stretch their programming a bit. But it didn't matter; it didn't take away from the match quality as a whole. I really hope it's that sort of magic that that's brought back to 2.0. You know, it just gives them a little something to tweak their characters and really sort of maximize it. And by what I would like to see more of is 
those sort of NXT graduates that are on the the main roster, like I'd like to see a few of them come back down to 2.0, especially if they're not getting enough exposure. Because see, well, remember no, Apollo? Cruise, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say Apollo Cruz recently has done that, and he already looked amazing in his in his tag match with uh, with Braun Breaker. Say that again. Uh, well, he, he did a tag team match, I think, with Braun Breaker on NXT. Yeah. 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 And he, he came out looking great. You know, he dropped the the really thick Nigerian accent. He dropped. He seemed to have dropped the the Prince gimmick a little bit. And he just sort of reverted back to his old NXT gimmick. Yeah, and uh, I think that's a good thing. I think, um, I think it is a good thing that you know Triple H is coming back in. But hey, let's um, let's wait and see what happens before um, before we say it's great. Because hey, it might be. Would you call it? Um, Shame. <laughs> ah, exactly. <laughs> Um, Undertaker has been announced to be appearing SummerSlam weekend, uh, not for WWE. Um, he's going to be appearing SummerSlam weekend for a show called Undertaker, One Dead Man Show on July 29th, the night before SummerSlam in Nashville. Um, so it's, no, it's a WWE, it is a WWE show. Um mm-hmm. The, the One Dead Man show will make its debut Friday night, July 29th at the Wild Horse Saloon in Nashville, Tennessee as part of SummerSlam week. It will feature the phenom in an intimate setting sharing never-before-heard stories from his Hall of Fame career and taking questions from the WWE Universe in attendance. Tickets for The Undertaker's One Dead Man show will go on sale this Tuesday the 28th at 10am via Ticketmaster. A limited number of VIP tickets. Well, let's hope they're not as expensive as the Inside the Ropes ones. <laughs> uh, it includes premier seating and a meet and greet with The Undertaker Take will also be available. Uh, SummerSlam takes place July 30th from the Nizan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, right. So I, will be able to, I, will be able, I will be able to go to that. I'm in Croatia. I'll be on holiday. <laughs> well, I didn't think you were going to be at it, Dave, but <laughs> thanks for clearing that up. I had two weeks off annual leave at that point, so I could easily just float in Nashville and uh, surprise you all. <laughs> I mean... Either that or could have just, uh, you know, like, <laughs> stayed at home, which, I mean, who would do that, you know, when the world's opening up again? <laughs> um, but, hey, who knows, who knows where people are going to be. Hey, do you want to talk about a 73-year-old man wrestling? Not particularly, no. Well, we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> July 31st in the Nashville Municipal Auditorium. Um, Ric Flair's last match part of StarCast. Uh, Conrad Thompson's married to Ric Flair's oldest daughter. Did you know that? I did not know that, no. Well, he um, he messaged him and said, how would you feel about one more match to sell them? Um, so, uh, so it's rumoured, it's unnamed as of yet. However, the rumour would be that Flair would be teaming with FTR against the Rock and Roll Express and another partner who was originally supposed to be Ricky Steamboat. Steamboat since declined. Uh, and apparently it's up in the air if FTR are involved as well. Uh, apparently there is Tony Khan is yet to give clearance for Cash and Dash to work Ric Flair's retirement match. Uh, no reason has been given why. Earlier this year... Uh, 
Flair's uh, former podcast co-host Mark Madden hinted that Flair and Khan had a falling out after Dark Side of the Ring. A Madden father claimed Khan disinvited Flair from his birthday party. It's unknown if the supposed riff between Khan and Flair is related to the plane ride from hell uh, episode. Because there was a lot of, um, you know, I know what happened in 2002, but it, it sort of brought um, things to light. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, you know, hell. yeah, it brought things back to light, and the likes of Ric Flair really did, um, really did end up back in the firing line uh, for some, you know, quite disgusting actions. Um, Fightful also said that Steamboat's decision not to participate in Flair's final match was that Steamboat's asking price was extremely high. According to sources, it was noted Steamboat was willing to do the match and did have a meeting regarding his participation. However, sides were unable to agree on a deal. Um, So this StarCast weekend is going to be all about Ric Flair. There's going to be a roast of Ric Flair. There's going to be a Four Horsemen reunion. Uh, it's going to be taking place at the site of Flair and Steamboat's legendary 1989 wrestling war match um, but it just seems like everything's going wrong for this it shouldn't be happening in the first place and it sounds like it's um, it sounds like it's just going to turn into like a massive piss up and you know someone will say something the wrong way and then it will just break out into a massive fight and you know Flair will probably bust himself open somehow and he's just <laughs> walks away with a bloody face but you know what the roast of rick flair sounds like something that should be on comedy central rather than like rather than like jim crockett promotions or something but you know what i'm no i do enjoy a good roast like it's like doesn't matter who the person is um so apparently jay lethal has a bit of a problem with rick flair rick flair has been training with jay lethal and rick flair has apparently just slated him <laughs> uh, just slated uh, Jay Lethal for no reason, saying, "Yeah, Jay Lethal, um, Jay Lethal wants to be um, part of the event. Uh, he's got an attitude. He wants to be part of the show." And I said, "That ain't happening." Then all of a sudden, everyone's feelings are hurt. Yeah, because the guy's giving up his time to fucking train you, and you're sitting going, "Yeah, fuck you. You're not getting on my show." <laughs> I think last time I saw those two interact each other, they were having a, I think they were having a woo off on Impact. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Maybe. that, that Who won that Jay Lethal by a country mile. Fair enough. Maybe Flair just took a strop and said, "No, you can't come on the show." <laughs> He's still bitter about losing the woo off. That's all it is. All it is, all it really is. But yeah, Ric Flair's final match. Uh, no opponent scheduled as of yet. And we are just over a month away from the, the thing taking place. But um, let's talk about a, a match that isn't going to happen as of right now. Rhea Ripley versus um, Bianca Belair. Uh, Rhea Ripley suffering a teeth and brain injury. Um, I, I don't know much about this, Dave. You need to take the lead on this one. So, yeah, it was um, unfortunately, it was just a spot that went wrong during a tag team match on Raw. It was... Uh, I think it was Levin Alexa versus Ripley and Dewdrop, I believe. And so what happened was is that I think 
Rhea had Alexa in like a Simone drop position, or I think she just Alexa escaped out of a, a hold. Liv went to drop kick Rhea, and what happened was is that Rhea's knees went straight up into her mouth, and then she immediately rolled out the ring. So I I don't know the extent of the injury, but I think she apparently she either knocked her teeth forward, like knocked her teeth into her jaw. Or it was like a, a really nasty cut on the inside of her mouth. And that apparently went straight to her, her brain as well. Like the, the whole impact of the knee. So it was sort of a dual concussion slash uh, teeth injury. Like I'd seen posts of her Instagram recently. She's actually got a wire on her top set of teeth now. So it mm. must have been pretty nasty. Yeah, it is indeed. Um, it's the second time in two years that Bianca Belair is going to be defending a WWE women's title against Carmella at Money in the Bank when her original Money in the Bank oh. opponent... No, the, the Money in the Bank match never happened. It just got canned. The one with Bailey, the I Quit match. Yeah, she just kind of fought Carmella and SmackDown, didn't she? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, it, it wasn't... Carmella has replaced uh, the Money in the Bank opponent for Bianca Belair. Two years in a row, her, mm. her opponent's been injured. Maybe it's Bianca Belair's fault. Maybe she's Bianca, just That's what we're saying in the chat. Bianca's cursed. Like, you know, Bailey gets injured before the I Quit match. Carmella steps in. Sasha doesn't show up at SummerSlam the year prior. Carmella shows up before Becky shows up. And then now this year, it's. Rhea's supposed to fight, Rhea gets injured, and now Carmella's stepping in again. So basically, Carmella's the one picking up the scraps every single time, and that's how she's treated. She's always like first reserve, essentially. Mm, she is the sort of, of break glass in case of emergency. Yeah, um, that's it. So yeah, a um, couple of quick stories just to quickly get through. Um, unfortunately for fans of Attitude Era referees, both Tim White and Dave Hebner passed away this past week. Uh, both men in their 70s, both men massive parts of WWE history. Dave Hebner, uh, a massive part of a WWE Golden Era TV. The the, the two referees, the, the Million Dollar Man, the plastic surgery, how much did he pay your brother? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, a massive part of WWE history. One of WWE's, I think WWE's highest rated uh, TV show uh, of all time, the Saturday Night Main Event rematch with Hogan and Andre. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so a massive part of WWE history. And mm -hmm. Tim White, a massive part of the Attitude Era, uh, unfortunately ended his career in a Hell in a Cell match, but has remained with WWE for years and... Uh, thoughts and well wishes go out to their families. Unfortunately, two of re two two parts of wrestling history no longer with us. Um, during an interview with Breakfast Television in Canada, uh, Giselle Shaw, the Impact Wrestling uh, knockout, has announced that she's been living her life as a transgender woman and is proud of that. Um, I think good for her. Yeah, I'm just I'm just reading the interview here just. She just said, on timing her announcement of Pride Month, it means so much to me because I feel Toronto Pride. It's about being proud and about being authentic and true to yourself. It's so important that you just love yourself and be true to who you are. Well, best of luck to Giselle. Yeah. Uh, 
And what a time as well, like you said, Pride Month as well, because June, June's been Pride Month, I think, for a long time in the USA and Canada. So, yeah, very, very good timing. Well, always nice when somebody doesn't hide who they are. Um, speaking of Impact Wrestling, their 20th anniversary, Slammiversary pay-per-view was this past weekend. It uh, came to you from the Nashville Fairgrounds, uh, TNA's original home in the Asylum. Uh, this uh, Have you seen this show, Dave, or have you have you just seen highlights? Just highlights, unfortunately. I've been, uh, been pretty busy this week, but um, I think... Uh, well, I think there's a couple matches that definitely stood out. I think the one that really, really no, hit we'll home. That. I'll, what I'll do, I'll uh, quickly go through the card. Yeah, um, yeah. They, they had everything from TNA's history on this. Mm. They had a reverse bat royal. They had an ultimate X match. They had a monster's ball match. They had a queen of the mountain match. They had everything from TNA's history. I'll just run through the card here. Uh, on the pre-show, Shark Boy winning the Reverse Battle Royal against Johnny Swinger. Uh, Rich Swan defended his Impact Digital Media Championship against Brian Myers. It's actually the first time he's been able to get a hold of the title. He won it from uh, Matt Cardona uh, at a non-Impact related event. Uh, Matt refused to give him the title, instead vacating it to Brian Myers. Uh, so Rich was the champion going into the match, but at the end of the match, this was the first time he was able to hold the title. Uh, Ultimate X match for the X Division Championship. Mike Bailey defeating Ace Austin, Alex Zane, uh, Andre Everett, Kenny King and Trey Miguel in a great match. Uh, Rosemary and Taya Valkyrie defeating the influence Madison Rain and Tennille Dashwood for the Impact's Knockout World Tag Championship. Sammy Callahan defeated Moose in a Monsters Ball match. Uh, the Good Brothers defeated the Briscoes uh, for the Impact World Tag Team Championship. Afterwards, America's Most Wanted came out and um, <laughs> they, had a, they had a beer bash. Uh, the Impact Originals, Alex Shelley, Chris Sabin, Frankie Kazarian, Nick Aldis and Eddie Edwards' former partner, Davey Richards, as introduced by former TNA president Dixie Carter, defeated yeah. Honor Nomad, Eddie Edwards, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, PCO and Vincent. This was... This was Cameo filled galore. We had Dilo Brown dressed as the Aces and Eights. We had Scott Demore dressed as the Team Canada coach. We had um, Frankie Kazarian's wife, the former uh, knockout. I'm trying to remember her name. Velvet Sky. No, no, no. That was um, Tracy Brookshaw. Um, oh, yeah. She was uh, in the crowd. She ended up getting into it with Maria Canellis. Uh, Jordan Grace defeating Tasha Steeles, Chelsea Green, Diana Perazzo, Mia Yim, and the first ever Queen of the Mountain match for the Impact Knockout Tag Champ. Uh, sorry, Impact Knockout World Championship with Mickey James as the special guest enforcer, uh, and Josh Alexander defeated Eric Young to retain his Impact World Title. Um, th- this match was great. See the the Josh. Oh, I'll jump right into the main event. Josh Alexander, the future of Empire Wrestling, a real homegrown talent. They've been able to put the company on and run with it in this new, new stabilised era of Impact Wrestling. Eric Young, part of the original TNA, uh, been there for nearly 20 years with a few, few stops in WWE in between. But Eric Young and Josh Alexander had a great back and forth they even pulled out some of uh, classic TNA moves. Josh Alexander going for the Styles Clash, mm-hmm. the best moonsault ever, the ankle lock. 
His attire was actually styled on Kurt Angle's Thing main like. event mafia run. Yeah. One, one knee pad was dedicated to Samoa Joe and one was dedicated to AJ Styles. Like, it was a... It was a coming together of old school versus new school TNA. It was... This was this felt like a, a reunion show done right because it built on current storylines. You had cameos from like the greats of the past. You know, you had AJ doing a, a segment. You had Sting, and I think you had Kurt Angle doing a, a bit as well. A video call, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just uh, see uh, me, just Gail see Kim, the new, Oh, Gail Kim as well. Yep, yeah, can't forget her. Um, I mentioned the ten man tag. Um, yeah, Dave Hebner got in, sorry, Errol Hebner got involved. Uh, is going to be his final match for Impact, and Brian Hebner refereed the main event. That was going to be his final. He's retiring from wrestling and refereeing. So it was a. The Hebners have been a big part of Impact. Yeah, and uh, a big part of their refereeing staff. So. It's it's nice that they get a send off as well. I think uh, it, they did. They didn't leave anybody hanging. That's what's was good about it. everywhere from you know the champion Josh Alexander all the way down to referees, etc. Like nobody was left feeling like they weren't a part of it. And you know, as you said, you know Josh Alexander's tribute to the you know he has the Kurt Angle singlet, he has the Samoa Joe, the AJ Styles. It's just a nod to those guys that sort of laid the foundation and made TNA what it was before it became impact and it was a so despite you know being a a, a solid it looked like a solid show from watching the highlights but these little nods to know like where that started out i think that's just a, a whole new level of respect and it's a it's a company that its competitors are really sort of in tune with where it started and you know it kind of i think it's kind of like I think this is kind of what's hoping that the Forbidden Door might feel like. You know, a bit of a clash between two different two different uh, companies or generations, shall we say. But this impact has just knocked out of the park with this one. Especially the one that stood out to me most was the Queen of the Mountain match. Yes. You know, it's one of those groundbreaking moments. You know, it's the first female, all-female match type of the whole King of the Mountain stipulation and when I looked up the, the match rules I thought this sounds absolutely bonkers but I think I'm going to enjoy it because you know you've got to get a pinfall then put the title like above the ring rather than retrieving it and it I'm pretty sure Diona and Chelsea Green or it might have been Mia Yim that actually took a, a ladder bump to the outside yeah and it was that, that, yeah that looked horrendous yeah it was pain do, do you know what annoyed me most about it wasn't that I loved the spot I thought it was amazing I thought it was dangerous it was it was cool to see what annoyed me is the for those that don't know the Queen of the Mountain match um, you have to pin an opponent before you're eligible to climb the mountain and put the uh, put the title up on the on the rung Um there was two people that weren't eligible at that point and falls count anywhere. When that happens, they should have dived on top of them. That would have made more sense to me. But <laughs> it was an amazing, it was an amazing match. I, the 
there wasn't one match where I was like, God, that was, you know, that was needless, that was crap, that was, you know, the Rich Swan and Brian Myers was a perfectly good um, pre-show match. Shark Boy winning the reverse battle royal, it was what it was. Uh, Mike Bailey in an Ultimate X match, you're always going to get your money's worth. Aye. Like the X Division Ultimate X match is a guaranteed barn burner for you know TNA or Impact because those the X Division just tear it up every single time. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's one of those ones. Um, Josh Alexander actually has quite an impressive uh, record in title matches at Slammiversary now. Mm-hmm. He um, they defended their. In fact, I think it goes further back than that. So I just. One last check. Yeah, just while you do that, it's in hindsight, you know, it's great to see superstars like Chelsea Green, Diana Perazzo, and Mia Yim as well, who were sort of just, I suppose, there during their time yeah. in NXT. And even when they made it to the main roster, you know, Chelsea and Diana never really got the chance to really shine. Mia, I mean, she was reckoning for a time being in the god awful retribution stable they never really got a chance on the main roster and like i said at nxt they were just there but here you know they felt like proper competitors and taking a bump like that you know it just goes to show how much they're willing to risk mm-hmm. or to be the best and especially diana like she's been brilliant for the last couple of years uh, ethan page and josh alexander's um Tag title run ran through two Slammiversaries. They defended it at Slammiversary 2019 against Santana and Ortiz and uh, the soon to be named MSK, Desmond Xavier, and Zachary Wentz. Um, they then defended the titles against Sammy Callahan and Ken Shamrock at the 2020 uh, Slammiversary. He then defended the Impact X Division title. Uh, against Ace Austin, Chris Bay, Peter Williams, Rohit Raju and Trey Miguel in an Ultimate X match in the opening match of uh, 2021's anniversary, And then in the main event of 2022, he's defeated Eric Young to retain his, um, retain his world title. So four anniversaries in a row, Josh Alexander's went in as a champion. Four in a row, he has walked out as a champion. Brilliant. As, and... Yeah, the, for anyone who um, isn't watching Impact Wrestling, I recommend Impact Insider on YouTube. It's £4 a month. You get, they do monthly specials. They do four pay-per-views a year, so you need to pay for them. But they do monthly specials, so eight months of the year, you get four Impacts and a pay-per-view for £4, and you can watch it through YouTube on your TV. It is it is the best value for money wrestling I think I've seen. And because of the, we talked about um, WWE not having enough stars. We talked about uh, AEW's bloated roster means that it's hard for people to break out. Impact's smaller roster means that they're able to give everyone a gimmick, everyone a character, everyone a feud, and everyone looks like a star. Everyone is always two wins away from being a world title contender. And I think that's that's good to have in a company. I think it's because their their specials are absolutely great. Their next special is actually next week, uh, against all odds, Friday 1st of July. So we've got a double header next week. 
We've got Against All Odds and then we have Money in the Bank on the second. Um, just before we wrap up, David, we're just going to quickly um, preview SmackDown for tonight at the time of recording. Yes. Um, Sami Zayn versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Aliyah shot save for the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. And Ricochet getting his rematch against Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, how do you see these matches going? Oh, if I'm, I'm going to be short and sharp with this. I think Gunther's retaining. I think Shotzi's going to be in the women's ladder match. And men's one, I think Sami Zayn is going to get in there. I think Nakamura. I think Nakamura. Sami Zayn's been trying to throw his weight about and say he's part of the bloodline. Um, I don't think. I think something will happen where the Usos or Paul Heyman don't allow him to be in the match. Um, I actually see Aaliyah getting into the match. I think they don't have enough faces on the SmackDown side and they need to start building them quickly. So I mean, they've got, well, they've got three faces, one heel. It's um, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan and Raquel. What? Is Alexa on SmackDown? She was on Raw this past week. Oh, no, no, no. She's on Raw. So we've got three... Well, well, depends where Lacey Evans is because she seems to be. Oh, in the match. Sorry, I thought you meant. I, I thought you meant. Um, I thought you just meant on SmackDown. So yeah, in the oh, match. No, 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 on SmackDown. Yeah, I think you need a. I think you need a heel to balance the face, Raquel out. Yeah, um, and Ricochet versus Gunther. I think. The, I, I really liked Ricochet and Gunther's um, first Intercontinental title match. Mm. Um, if they can, hey, if they can perform that again more power to them. I'd, I'll be looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently Drew's uh, supposed to, well, Drew's to lay out his roads to be undisputed WWE Universal title as well, even though he and Sheamus got added to the Money in the Bank match. So either he's going to say, I'm going to win the contract and cash in at Clash of the Castle, or I'm going to lose the match and I'll still challenge Roman at Clash of the Castle anyway because we need a, a British star to go up against Roman Reigns. Can they not just do what The Rock did? Rock walked out in July and said, whoever the champion is at the Royal Rumble, you're going to take on The Rock. You'll have just six months in advance, Rock saying, oh, by the way, I'm number yeah. one contender. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though. Can you imagine, like, imagine if Brock v. Roman at SummerSlam, you know, ends with Brock winning. Can you imagine Brock versus Drew in front of a live audience? I, I think that would be great, but I think that's I think that's a WrestleMania match. I think mm. Brock Drew would be this year's WrestleMania match. I don't think the titles will be I don't think the title will be on Drew though, I should say. Mm-hmm. I think Seth Rollins is somehow winning the title because much like when it had to be Seth that Dean Ambrose beat it has to be Seth that Cody Rhodes beats, I think. Ah, it's a real shame about Cody as well. You know, he's going to be out until at least the Royal Rumble, I reckon. But, I mean, people have said Cody's now the favourite to win the Rumble if he comes back in time. Yeah, I, th- I think he is the favourite to win it. I think Drew's the favourite for money in the bank now. I think mm-hmm. that'll be his road to Clash of the Castle. Mm-hmm. Could, could not tell you. Do, do you have any idea who's going to win the women's money in the bank? <sighs> I honestly could not tell you. And chances are they will probably cash in the night they win it or the night after. Do you think there's a hope in hell um, Natalia beats Ronda Rousey? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. 
No, I don't, I don't think there so. Was a, there was a video of her on YouTube where I think she, Shayna, and Raquel all went to this. Uh, there was this um, guy on YouTube. He does like this crazy, like muscle therapy where mm. he like cracks their necks and he like hammers like specific parts of their joints and stuff. Like N- Natalia got one of those. I watched it earlier on and it looked absolutely painful. But you should see some of, like where that guy's hands were going as well. I mean, he was practically like. You know, he's right, right up our thigh as well. You know, and you could probably steady see. on, Dave, steady on. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I hope TJ wasn't watching that. <laughs> um, for the so just bef- uh, to come back to the men's money in the bank, um, Seth, Sheamus, Drew, Omos, and then either Shinsuke or Sami Zayn with three determined uh, participants to be determined. Omos um, the ladder. He could just reach up and grab it. <laughs> John Cena returning this coming Monday. Is John Cena going to be in the Money in the Bank ladder match? I mean, he could be. I mean, he's a, he's a former Money in the Bank winner himself. Does Theory cost John Cena the Money in the Bank match? Or does John Cena cost Theory the United States Championship? That Theory will cost Cena. It makes more sense, I reckon. But then again, Theory has to sort of beat Bobby Lashley earlier on as well. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, it's actually quite a good card for Money in the Bank. There's not been the great build, but Bianca Carmella, I think, will be a good match. Uh, the men's and women's Money in the Bank is always good. Uh, Rousey v Natalia, you know what? I'd, I'd slag Natalia on here, but I think she can get a good match. Oh, yeah, yeah. She, she's consistent, that's for sure. You know, yeah. given, you know, she's been there for, what, best part of 15 years now? Yeah. But I think, yeah. I think the pay-per-view lost a lot of steam when it had to move from the Allegiant Stadium to the MGM Grand. I don't think it did. I think WWE did one promo for it with Cody Rhodes. It ran for two weeks and then they just sort of moved it and with Cody getting injured, you could kind of play it off as well. We can't show that promo anymore. He's injured. Um, so, but nah. But they're having three stadium shows in a row is a big ask. It's overkill. Yeah. I, but yeah, the Usos versus the Street Profits, I think that'll be a great match as well. Uh, and Theory Bobby Lashley, I've really enjoyed their feud. Theory being the conniving heel and Bobby just being a big bruiser. But that is going to do us for this week on ESSR Central. Uh, thank you very much, Dave, for joining us to preview mm-hmm. for Big Door. Always. Uh, and review Impact. We'll be reviewing Impact and, uh, sorry, we'll be reviewing AW New Japan Forbidden Door next week, previewing in more detail Money in the Bank and uh, impacts against all odds special uh, hopefully more breaking news throughout the week as well so we can talk about big juicy big juicy stories big meaty stories big meaty mom slapping me <laughs> <laughs> sorry I'm just refreshing wrestling ink just before the curse of central strikes um, but yeah thank you very much Dave for joining us don't forget at Suplex Retweet Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube uh, you can follow us there Eat, sleep, suplex, retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and Android. Thank you very much for listening to us. Goodbye. See ya. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGrobby. We are the hosts of the monthly show on Eat, sleep, suplex, retreat, East meets West. Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews, and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check that out on the Eat, sleep, suplex, retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify, or iTunes now.